This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out with us. As always, we appreciate you. And guess what? what? It's 90 days until the election. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, 19 <laughs> is under 20. Like, it's getting close. Ooh, it's it very surreal. It's scary to continue to think about. And I'm trying not to be like this depressing, like just wormhole of negativity, right? And I'm trying to at least be positive from it. But my anxiety just won't let me. I, I can't help it. I really can't. You know, it is hard. It's hard. But you know what? We're celebrating Spirit Day today. So we got to feel and spread the positivity for all those LGBTQ plus youth out there. We yes. see you and we love you. Yes, we do. Oh, my God. I, I love that. Shout out to you, Sheer, for, for, I mean, I like what you said. That's all I'm saying. Appreciate it. Let's uh, talk about what's coming up on the show today. <laughs> We're debunking that New York Post Biden email scandal that's everywhere. So stay tuned for that as we break it down. Plus, a pandemic historian is joining us to talk about the history behind pandemics and when this should be over. <laughs> if it is ever going to be over. No, right. I mean, she has some answers for us. Right. But let's get into some what's trending this hour, shall let's we? Let's do it. President Trump continued his rallies today, this time in Greenville, North Carolina, where he had a lot to say about journalists. And oh yeah, he spoke about suburban women too. Look at them. Look how innocent they look, and they're not innocent. They're not innocent. The enemy of the people. I call them the enemy of the people. But anyway, so the suburban women should love Trump. Now this is the same thing as, this is like a carbon copy of what happened Last time, not nearly as bad. Remember, you had nine states. I was going to lose all of them the day before. And they were just wrong a little bit. I won all of them. He is obsessed with suburban women. He really is. He just knows he, it's not going to happen for him. He's like begging. It's like, I don't even know how to, what, or what to compare it to. <laughs> like when you're, it's just kind of awkward. I know what it, I can compare it to. I can compare it to uh, Demi Lovato's ex, Max Einrich, who we talked about before. And, and Trump is basically staging, just like Max did, staging like these sad breakup photo shoots to try to get the women back. I feel like he's pleading like a man that lost his wife or girlfriend. It's hey, come on. Who wants to smooch Trump? Like that's the the not Melania. Worst way. That's the worst way to get the votes. Uh, now election day, as we mentioned, is more than two weeks away. But more than one million Californians have already returned their mail-in ballots. Congrats, California. That's according uh, to the state, and that amount is the most ballots collected by mail at this point in any state election. 
Nearly half of the mail-in ballots come from Los Angeles County, where more than 435,000 voters have already responded. Uh, the flood of ballots announced by the Secretary of State, Alex Padilla, still represents, though, only a fraction of the 21 million sent to California voters under a new state mandate prompted by the pandemic safety efforts. And it's unclear whether the state's turnout will ultimately be bigger than past elections. 21 million people in California. I forget how many people we have here. It's a lot. The huge numbers of mail-in ballots could also make counting the votes more complicated and mean longer waits to determine the outcome of close races. And by the way, this was the case in 2018 when it took weeks to call some key congressional races that ended up moving the U.S. House back into Democratic control. Now, Joe Biden's campaign is stopping the travel for his running mate, California Senator Kamala Harris. Through this weekend, after two people, a flight crew member and Harris's communications director, Liz yeah. Allen, tested positive for coronavirus. But guess what? I don't even feel like um, I wasn't even like I was sad, obviously, because you don't want anyone to have this. But the way that they've handled it has been incredible. I, I love leadership in this way. Yeah, a staff member for the charter company that flies Biden also tested positive today. And yes, how wow. they handled it, it was, were, uh, was they were quick to reveal it and, and bring it to the press. His campaign has released this, but Biden's travel schedule is not changing because the former VP did not come within 50 feet of the person. Um, and by the way, Harris's planned trip to North Carolina today uh, was scrapped and she will remain off the road until Monday. Neither of these people have contact with Vice President Biden, Senator Harris, or any other staffers since testing positive or in the 48 hours prior to the positive results. That's according to their team. So, I mean, yeah. I, now I guess uh, those crazy Republicans, those talking heads on Twitter can't say, well, I wonder why no prominent Democrat has had it yet. It's, I'm just like, they tried to basically insinuate that it was a conspiracy or something. It always happens, but yeah, I'm, I'm just proud of uh, the Biden-Harris camp for handling it how it should be handled. Definitely. Now, this is interesting. President Trump's supporter, typically is his supporter, Rupert Murdoch, is telling close associates he believes Joe Biden will win the election in a landslide. Now, this is being reported by the Daily Beast and some other news outlets that the Australian-born billionaire is disgusted by Trump's handling of COVID-19, saying that the president is his own worst enemy, that he's not listening to advice about how to best handle the pandemic and that he's creating a never-ending crisis for his administration and that's according to three people who have spoken with Murdoch. So you know Murdoch of course runs News Corp, Fox News. Uh, he was asked to confirm this. He responded no comment except I've never called Trump an idiot referring to a 2018 report that he called President an effing idiot following a chat about immigration. <laughs> this just seems like a weird friendship. Like because I, they, we know that they're close. And of course, how, how can he say that he, he thinks Joe Biden's gonna win by a landslide when he's a big part of what influences the Trump campaign and he thinks that Trump isn't handling this properly? I don't know, this is a, gives me a headache right now. Uh, but that was so much trending this hour. What's coming up in uh, entertainment news, Ryan? Well, I was gonna go into uh, the story about more than 100 actors, directors, and writers are calling out and protesting NBC News, including the cast of This Is Us, um, they sent in an open letter um, saying that they were upset that the, uh, the NBC decided to hold a town hall with President Trump at the same time 
Thomas Joe Biden's event. We're actually going to be talking about that a little bit later. But before that, the celebrities are out, honey. Head over to Weird Channel Q um, to check out all of the stories and what they have to say because... I am done spilling. Now coming up, the explosive New York Post article revealing Hunter Biden's leaked emails, but is it legit? We dive in with KNX program director Ken Charles in two minutes. Crooked Joe Biden is trending on social media as Republicans are using the leaked Hunter Biden emails from a hard drive brought by a whistleblower uh, to this uh, to Rudy Giuliani and the New York Post that are leading the Senate to start a probe. Uh, so that hard drive, as I mentioned, was left at a Mac store. The shop owner is blind and didn't see who brought it in. It all feels very hard to believe. And joining us right now, I'm so excited. Ken Charles, program director at KNX. Welcome back. It's been a while. It's been way too long. Stupid COVID. Ugh. I know. Come on. We miss you. Yeah, Miss you guys, too. You need to get back in the building. I've been here every day. Oh, God. Okay. But it's been breaking. I mean, it's been breaking news. The news cycle has been crazy, which speaking of, we're talking about this whole Joe Joe Biden, Hunter Biden thing. Well, it's it's alleged. I mean, look, no credible news organization has had access other than the New York Post. And even the New York Post, to the best of my knowledge, hasn't seen the hard drive, hasn't seen the computer. This is all based off of Rudy Giuliani. And let's, of course, remember that the New York Post is owned by Rupert Murdoch, and Rupert Murdoch owns... I don't know, Fox News. So, you know, other than really good Yankee and Mets and Giants and Jets coverage, I don't know that I give a lot of credibility yet to this story because it hasn't been independently verified by anybody, anybody credible. The Washington Post has asked for it. New York Times has asked for it. A lot of people have asked for it. No one's seen it except the blind guy and Rudy Giuliani, which is as close as you can get to a blind guy. So uh, at this point, what are they going to do with it to verify? Or they're going to just keep it at this New York Post story. That's it. It's going to end there. Well, I mean, that, you know, unless somebody else gets a piece of this and, and look, if, if, if Ted Cruz and the Senate Judiciary Committee want to start subpoenaing things, stop looking at Twitter and Facebook, which are private companies, subpoena the, 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 the computer store, subpoena Rudy Giuliani, subpoena Hunter Biden if they want. But if you want to get to the story, let's get to the story, because right now it's just innuendo. Well, here's the thing, um, and we're talking to the program director at KNX, Ken Charles, and I feel like this was just another way for the Trump campaign to try to throw in an October surprise, because obviously Trump had one, and so they're trying to figure out what can stick to Joe Biden to throw him off his game. Is that accurate? No, listen, I think that's completely accurate. You know, you can see polls all over the country where, you know, I realize they're national polls, but even when they start looking at local polls, you're seeing him get really, really, you know, close or behind, even in Florida and Texas and places that he won by double digits in 2016 against Hillary. This is kind of like the last gasp with 19 days before the election of a candidate. And Trump is desperate. You can see it. You know, and COVID didn't have the effect he thought. His miraculous recovery didn't have the effect that he thought. He's losing ground, not gaining ground. But will this change anybody? You know, first of all, th- that 42% that love him, love him with this or without with this or without this. The question is, will it change the narrowing gap of people in the middle? And I don't think this is enough to do that. 
Yeah, I mean, that's for sure. Do you think it was bad of Twitter and Facebook to handle it the way they did? Um, you know, it, it's an interesting shoe for them to drop that with all of the crazy QAnon stuff that's out there that YouTube now looks like they're going to take down, which is thousands of videos. And with all of the other stuff for the last more than four years that Twitter and Facebook have been pushing out, this one seems like a weird one. And look, whether it's right or wrong, we don't know. But the Washington or the New York Post is the New York Post. Are they going to start what? What else are they going to start taking down from the New York Post? And if they're doing it for the New York Post, regardless of who owns it, so take Rupert Murdoch out of it, there's still plenty of crazy videos with Tucker Carlson or some of the other people from Fox News, Mark Levin and others. Has Facebook and Twitter taken those down? No, they haven't. This was a weird place for them to draw the line. If they wanted to put a line up there that said not verified or not independently verified or something like that, yes. Honestly, should they have, in this case, blocked it? I honestly don't think they should have. I think they made a mistake. Well, I want to quickly throw to a clip of Trump in Greenville, North Carolina, where he actually talks about this. And I wonder, basically, I'm going to ask you something right after this clip. But this election is a matter of national security. It really is. We can't let this happen. It's a matter of national security. The Bidens got rich while America got robbed. Now, big tech, you see what's going on with big tech? is censoring these stories to try and get Biden out of this impossible jam. He's in a big jam. You know, his son left his uh, laptop at some place, fixed my laptop, he forgot to pick it up. The guy from the laptop, it looks like he saw it. He said, wow, this is really criminal stuff. He brought it to the FBI. Can you believe that? I'm interested in knowing, you know, how Trump is going to handle this because this clip of him kind of questioning or being sarcastic about it. And then Trump is all about saying like this election, there's a national security risk happening here. Do you think he's going to use this for his advantage of trying to, you know, derail this election um, with the, the short amount of days that we have left of it? Well, he's continuing. I mean, look, look at the Republicans here in California. They're not going to get, or Southern California, they're not going to get rid of those unofficial ballot boxes that are popping up all over the place. They've thrown in. He's continuing to try to throw fire on the fact that if you don't vote in a polling place, if you vote by mail, it's part of the fraud. So everything he's doing right now and for the next 19 days is to try to you know throw the legitimacy of the the election um into play and while i don't think he can do that he's trying hard that was ken charles program director at knx now coming up we didn't get our second presidential debate but we are getting two separate town halls all on the same night why this might be a good thing for democrats next in two minutes so you're not being set up tonight right so i'm doing this town hall with uh Concast, C-O-N, right? Con, because it's a con job, Concast, C-O-N, not C-O-M, C-O-N, cast. So I'm doing it, and it's NBC, the worst, home of Sleepy Eyes, Chuck Todd, and some others. And they gave Lester Holt, he's a beauty, they gave Joe Biden a week ago a town hall, and it was meant for children. 
NBC News is airing an impromptu town hall event featuring President Trump. According to their Wednesday morning announcement, the town hall will take place in Miami, Florida, and it's going to be moderated by today's show anchor Savannah Guthrie. It's scheduled for the exact same time, Thursday evening, that time slot, as former VP Joe Biden's town hall event in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which is airing on ABC News. What is going on right now? Back with us is Jared Hill, political analyst and co-host of the Fanti podcast. Welcome back. Hey, y'all. So, I mean, really, first, you know, he's, Trump says he's not going to do the debate virtually, and then they decide to do dueling town halls. I, so, okay. I understand that people are really upset about this and I get why people are like mad, angry tweeting about it. But this is one of those where I'm not angry about this. Um, and okay. I, I feel like I understand like the, the frustration and like, is it tacky? Yes. <laughs> but I don't think this is like the worst thing in the world. And let me tell you why. Donald Trump has never done himself a favor in front of a microphone. And so when I look at look at the fact that he did the president and the people with ABC, which is which ABC is doing the vice president and the people, he was awful on that. Right. Like he is not used to having to answer questions from the American people. And he's also not used to being able to be interviewed by someone who's going to push back on him. And debate moderators historically cannot push back on Mm. ever since Candy Crowley and the whole that's a whole other conversation. But like fact checking is something they're not allowed to do now. And so I like the idea that he's going to be able to be with someone who can have a follow up question and say, actually, well, no. And if you watch the president and the people the ABC did, those people were pushing back and saying like, actually, no, that's not right. Um, The people that were asking questions. But should we start looking at this as like, networks are being irresponsible because obviously there's like a bidding war for ads on these because everyone is expecting all to make all this money and it just really shows this country only cares about that right and so that's why I feel like a lot of people are really upset about it but is it irresponsible though can I can I give you like the bad radio answer please the bad radio answer is like, oh, America's capitalist. You know what I mean? It's like people act like NBC is not a television network who's looking to get ratings. And like, yeah. is it tacky boots? Yes. But like, would I have done it if the president came to me and said that they were down to do it? I probably would have if I was NBC. Okay. And like, yeah. They're not a nonprofit. I mean, exactly. Right. And like to be also be clear, like they're running uh, they're running now a super major event that they had not been able to sell before that is going to run directly in opposition. More people are going to watch Donald Trump than Joe Biden. Ugh. No shade. Right. Because they yeah. want to see Donald Trump say something crazy. It's so a train like, wreck. Exactly. Exactly. And like, I want to give Donald Trump as much rope to hang himself as he possibly can, because Donald Trump tends to do that every time you put a microphone in him uh, in front of him. And so like uh, Joe Biden hasn't been the gaff machine we've known him to be from my lips to God's ears and knocking on wood. But like, I really don't see how this this goes badly. I might be eating my words tomorrow, but I think that Donald Trump let him, you know, screw himself. Well, Jared Hill is with us right now, host, co-host of the Fanti podcast. I mean, but then why did they decide to do it at the same time? Couldn't they have done it at different times so both could be watched by the American because people? It's still, it, it's still the standard time that is allotted, right? We generally mm-hmm. have these at nine o'clock Eastern, six o'clock uh, Pacific, because it's late enough to still be uh, to still be in prime time for the the West Coast, but you know, not too late to where it's 
too late on the East Coast. And that's that six o'clock time slot is is generally where we have those. Oh, I would love to, while we have you here, I would love to talk to you about how the clear difference of when Kamala Harris's team and the news came out that someone close to her or in proximity to her, you know, unfortunately contracted COVID versus how we're seeing and just finding out even about Biden, uh, not Biden, but what's that boy's name? Trump? Bar- Barron. That's that voice. Oh, name. Barron Trump, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would love to know your perspective about that. It feels like that was just a wonderful moment of proving like, oh, this is really how it should go when it comes to leadership, right? So let me tell you, when I saw that that Kamala wasn't going into quarantine, I was like, the devil is alive! Like, <laughs> but there's also an opportunity in this, right? Similarly to the way that we talked about uh, the opportunity for the Trump campaign, this does present an opportunity for Kamala Harris and the Biden team to show how you can do this better, right? They can they can be really transparent with their information. They can, you know, be really direct with the American people about how they would handle these kinds of situations. And so I think it's a really great opportunity. You know, you have to you have to snatch a what is it? You have to snatch a blessing from the the grips of a curse. But I mean, realistically, I don't even know if that's a real saying. I think I might have just made that. Up. Hey, you know what? I'm never saying. heard we'll of that. We'll um, add it. We'll add it to Google. <laughs> but I think it's a real opportunity for them. I I I hope that she doesn't have COVID, obviously. Um, but I I hope that they use this well. Okay. Well, Jared Hill, thanks as always. We love having you on. Absolutely. Uh, Jared Hill is the host of the Fanti podcast. Check it out on every podcast platform right now. It's really great podcast. They're doing great work. Now coming up, a new study reveals how likely you are to get COVID-19 on a flight. That's next. Is it safe to fly right now? And do you want to fly anytime soon? Well, yeah, I think a lot of people are thinking about it. The holidays are right around the corner. Well, guess what? According to this new study, uh, the risk of contracting the coronavirus aboard an airliner is virtually non-existent as long as you wear a mask. And that's according to the study by the Department of Defense. They said there's only a 0.003% chance that particles from an infected but masked passenger can infiltrate an adjoining flyer's breathing space. Uh, So this study was conducted in partnership with United Airlines. No surprise about that. I mean, the airline industry has gone down like 70% and they want people to start flying again. Of course they do. I mean, people are losing their jobs. And the ind- even though the airline industry got a whole bunch of money when uh, a lot of those stimulus packages came out, I feel like it's interesting to still see that they're you know struggling a whole bunch and people are losing their jobs still. Um, but yeah, it is something that, people i don't know if are ever going to feel comfortable again because the way i keep seeing videos of people just packed in it doesn't look like there's much social distancing happening yeah well there's not but they're saying and according to this it indicates that being on board an aircraft is the safest indoor public space because of the unique configuration inside an aircraft that includes aggressive ventilation lots of airflow so you're basically outside but not Okay, but isn't there, there, wasn't there a situation, because I literally feel like we just saw a situation about a guy with a mask on, and he got in trouble. Tell tell me more about that. Well, well, I want to know if it would make you feel better, you know, or if this guy should have been thrown off this flight for wearing the, you know, he was wearing this Trump 2020 mask. He was kicked off a Southwest Airlines flight after lowering it to eat a snack, and this all got captured on camera. Here it is eat with our masks off is that what you're saying am i not allowed to have my 
the mask off. I complied. I put it on after they asked me to. Isn't it procedure? Isn't it policy that he can wear his mask? He can take off his mask? No, I'm sorry. I'm his legal counsel. Is it not your policy to, that he can wear him, take off his mask? I'm wearing the mask. I'm just eating. So, yeah, he, he's eating a snack. So, uh, listen, whatever you think about Trump and uh, the election and politically. And of course I am, I'm definitely, if this guy was not wanting to wear the mask and kept on doing that, yes, he should be kicked off the flight. But just for, you know, taking it down cause he's eating. I don't think that deserved him being thrown off. Um, well, I do. I mean, wearing a Trump 2020 anything is like trash to me. Uh, it's uh, actually alarming. And it would I would start fearing for my life on this airplane, to be quite honest. And you people may hear that and think I'm being dramatic, but it's true. Let's be quite clear. Um, and I think, yeah, maybe it was a little intense, but these airlines are not playing with folks. I'm sorry. If you're, if you're doing something that not everyone around you is doing and someone is feeling like, whoa, this guy's playing games, then yeah, he needs to be gone. And and I love in, in these stories they mention it's a black man wearing a Trump 2020 mask, by the way. Like they always have to preface that. I mean, we're if not, there's no bl- black people that would vote for Trump. We're not shocked by the black the Trump supporter anymore. So uh, Donald Trump Jr. did tweet, WTF, this is disgusting. I've been on a thousand flights in the last few months and everyone lowers their masks to eat and drink. I did it on a Southwest flight earlier this week. And a rep from Southwest Airlines insists the ejection came after multiple employees asked him to wear a face covering. So that's going on. But all in all, it's safe as long as I guess there isn't a, a guy wearing a Trump 2020 mask. Okay, now coming up, we've got what's trending this hour. So don't go anywhere. Coming up, you don't need to watch Contagion. Just keep listening to Let's Go There because a pandemic historian is joining us. Yes. Oh, my God. That is so weird to be a pandemic historian. Like, how depressing is your job? Yeah, you're kind of wanted right now. Plus, we're celebrating National Latinx AIDS Awareness Day happening today. So stay tuned for that conversation. We have someone joining us who has celebrated 20 years living with HIV, and his, his story is very inspiring. But let's get into some what's trending this hour. Senator Ben Sass destroyed President Trump during a phone call with constituents. The Nebraska Republican accused the president of cozying up to dictators, mistreating women, flirting with white supremacists, and irresponsibly handling the coronavirus pandemic. The way he kisses dictators' butts. I mean, the way he um, ignores that the Uyghurs are in literal concentration camps in Xinjiang right now. He hasn't lifted a, a finger on behalf of the Hong Kongers. I mean, he and I have a very different foreign policy. It isn't just that he fails to lead our allies. It's that we, the United States now regularly sells out our allies under his leadership. The way he treats women and spends like a, a drunken sailor, the ways I criticize President Obama for that kind of spending, I've criticized President Trump for as well. He mo- yeah. I mean, uh, those comments were disclosed by the Washington Examiner, which obtained the audio recording of the call, a campaign telephone town hall with Nebraska voters. And Sass's spokesman verified that the reporting was accurate, but declined to answer more specific questions, such as when the call happened. I mean, I like it when people are speaking truth, even if they don't want the public to know. 
don't and they couldn't be surprised that this audio went out. Like anytime you have a call and you're doing something at that level and you're a Republican senator, it's going to get out. Somehow. It's going to get out. It's going to get leaked. It's like you kind of wanted it to, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably. Now, scientists from Oxford University's Department of Physics have developed an extremely rapid diagnostic test that detects and identifies viruses in less than five minutes through throat swabs. Now, C-SPAN, this news is everywhere today. They have said that Steve Scully, the network's senior executive producer and political editor, has been placed on administrative leave for lying about being hacked earlier this month. Scully admitted to, quote, errors in judgment and apologized in a statement. And of course, President Trump loved this. He said this on Twitter, I was right again. You see, I hate when this happens because it does feed into what they say about fake news and not to trust the, the news, etc. Scully had been selected by the Commission on Presidential Debates to moderate the town hall style debate that was actually supposed to take place tonight. Why would he lie How about, about that his... timing? Why would you lie about your Twitter being hacked? That's so weird. Well, let me give you some context, but yeah, I don't know why he would do this. Um, of course, you know, moderating the debate that was going to happen tonight would have been a huge moment for his career. Last week, however, we know the debate was scrapped after Trump objected to the virtual format, right? So while the debate was up in the air, Trump was criticizing Scully publicly. The C-SPAN veteran sent a tweet to Trump uh, friend-turned-foe Anthony Scaramucci. Um, so he wrote, Scaramucci, should I never respond to Trump? And shortly after, Trump labeled Scully a, a never-Trumper. When the tweet to Scaramucci went viral the following morning, Scully claimed he was hacked. So that's how it all went down. <laughs> oh, and the commission okay, he didn't want to cop and, up. And, and even though this is even more embarrassing, the commission and C-SPAN both vouched for him. Oh, my goodness. He's going to lose his job. C-SPAN. So he did, yeah. Now, now that's Wow. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. But, of course, Trump loves this because, yeah. You know, of course, it goes into the fake news, just like you said. Exactly. So that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so uh, here's the thing. You know, we're we're going to dive into this T-Report. Remember, we were talking about how Cardi B was, you know, divorcing her husband. Mm -hmm. She was done wiping her hands clean. And then she had her birthday party. And then he gave her a car, a Rolls Royce, to be exact. Uh -huh. And guess what, honey? She's now saying and confirming that she is back with him. I can't. I mean, like, good, good on you. Do your thing. But, like, it's too much at this point. I don't even care anymore. It's too much. She literally filed for divorce last month. So she had to get on Instagram Live to explain herself. She said, listen, y'all, I'm just a crazy B word. Um, she okay. said, you, you know how I be arguing with y'all on social media? That's exactly how we are between me and my man. So when people be saying I, I be doing some crap for attention with this, and that, no, I'm just a crazy bee. And then she also said, and it's really hard to have no D word. Which, girl, honestly, same. And I relate to that. Live your life. Well, yeah, it sounds like a really healthy relationship. I can't <laughs> wait to see what the future holds. I mean, poor culture. But yeah, whatever. As long as there's, there's um, you know, there, new cars. Word, and you, therapy. They can yes. afford that car. They can afford some good therapy. For sure. And my other story, okay, so no shade, but I had thought about you because we've talked about Botox before. Okay, and Stevie yeah. Nicks literally has come out. I guess at one point she was addicted to clonopin. Clonopin. You know you're not a drug addict when you say clonopin. <laughs> You did. Clonopin. First of all, you did. It did roll off of your tongue very easy. 
<laughs> she was like, yeah, it's, I know. Uh, it's, oh my God, but Clonopin actually, it's for Caesar, seizures, panic disorders, and anxiety. Well, I don't know if she was using it for that because she says she was addicted to it for eight years and spent yeah. time in rehab after a plastic surgeon told her that she had a hole in her nose from cocaine usage. Um, okay. Yeah, and so she said there's there's obviously one drug that she swore off of was Botox. She said it only makes you look like you're in a satanic cult. So she, you know, has been able to use every other drug in the world, but she's not using Botox. What do you I'm think about that? that? She I figured that out. I like Botox, to be quite honestly. If people want to do it, be about your business and do it. Listen, every time I do, I say I'm not going to do it, and then I'll do something. I'll be like, oh, why Why did I forget about this? It looks so good. <laughs> but there is that balance, because I don't want to look like that person that it's just, like, so obvious. There's some people yeah. that do it really well, and there's some people that you're like, no, it's just it's awkward. It's, it's too intense. Well, I would love to know what y'all think. Let us know at LGT Show, and that is your T-Report of the pop culture moment that's trending right now. Okay, now coming up, will the coronavirus pandemic ever truly end? History has a lot to say. More on that next in two minutes. When will the pandemic end? It's the question on all of our minds. And since the beginning, epidemiologists and public health specialists have been using mathematical models to forecast the future in an effort to curb the coronavirus's spread. But infectious disease modeling is still tricky and not certain. So where do we go from here? Nuket Barlick joins us, who's an associate professor of history at the University of South Carolina. Thanks for being here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So we mentioned this modeling, uh, but what else do experts use to figure out the path of a pandemic? Right. I mean, modeling is one avenue that we can follow to predict the number of cases and how widespread the pandemic will be, how many uh, people will die. In fact, according to the current um, modeling, now we're mm -hmm. looking at very, very sobering uh, number of cases and number of deaths. And actually the one that I'm looking at right now is a very uh, commonly accepted model. We are, I mean, if there's like no precautions, no mitigation, nothing is done uh, until the end of January, 2021, we're looking at at least 2.5 million more deaths globally, which is, wow. which is extremely um, worrying, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's beyond worrying. And also, by the way, when I when the University of South Carolina, y'all are going through one hell of a Senate race right now with Lindsey Graham and Jamie Harrison. <laughs> but back to the topic, I do wonder, though, and I think everyone is kind of wondering this, what has history taught us about yeah. how pandemics really happen in this country and just history in general? Right. I mean, of course, you know, we can look at U.S. history, but at the same time, I think, you know, when we, when we want to talk about the history of pandemics in the long term, it will be more um, appropriate to look in the context of, you know, Afro-Eurasia, longer uh, history of disease and like the deep history of disease. And in fact, we have uh, several examples of pandemic diseases that continued across centuries. And now, of course, we're talking about prehistory before the 19th century, before the sanitary revolution, before antibiotics, before safe vaccines and all that. So it's not perhaps a great comparison to, you know, uh, look at the past, the pre-modern past in that sense. But it also gives us a very um, dramatic picture in which we see diseases, you know, coming back over and over again in waves of uh, pandemic outbreaks, right? Yeah. So in that sense, we see something that is extremely long-term. And as a historian of pandemics, I find it helpful to think about that long durée, long, long, long uh, picture, because it teaches us to be prepared 
Oh, yeah. And I want to get into that. Nuket Varlik joins us. Mm-hmm. As she mentioned, she follows the history of pandemic. She's an associate professor of history at the University of South Carolina. So let's get into that. I, I guess we've learned that they're long, they come back. And so what? how can we use that information to deal with what we're dealing with now? Right. Um, well, I mean, in some way, history can give us some insights about what to expect, right? Uh, perhaps, you know, it will be uh, more important to pay uh, attention to but what uh, public health specialists and policymakers and epidemiologists and medical professionals tell us to do, what to do about the current pandemic. But history, in fact, can tell us um, that we we could expect this, right? I mean, uh, in fact, you know, even before the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, exploded, uh, we already knew that a new pandemic was coming, was in the making. And this has all sorts of reasons relating to like ecological disturbances, climate change, like encroachment of urban areas into, you know, the habitat of animals. So like whenever you have like fast social change and increased urbanization, deforestation and all that, you yeah. expect that. It, yeah, and I feel like also when you're talking about kind of this post, this modern world that we're in when we're looking at history, we're in the most po- polarizing moments politically ever. How does that kind of play a part in this, especially when every country is racing to be the first one to find a vaccine? Right. And also, I mean, vaccination is one thing and extremely important. And but at the same time, looking at the mitigation efforts in different countries, we see a clear difference in the countries that, you know, successfully managed to bring the numbers down and the countries that failed. And of course, you know, the U.S. is uh, number one now in terms of the number of cases. So clearly there's a difference. But back to your question with vaccination, you know, Mm -hmm. as long as we have safe vaccines and I'm you know, we're, of course, waiting for the COVID-19 vaccine uh, to be developed and um, uh, 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 distributed. Yeah. But when, when we look at the history of other infectious diseases, like let's take the example of measles, right? Uh, measles was eliminated in the U.S. and it, it is a preventable condition. It was an endemic disease, mainly a childhood disease. And since the 2000s, we were, we were good with, you know, successful um, vaccination campaigns and efforts, it was under control and it was locally eliminated, not eradicated, but eliminated, right? And of course, in 2018 and 2019, we had a measles outbreak and the numbers exploded. And that's because, you know, we failed in our vaccination program. So even if you can control a pandemic, you still have to be careful in the long term. Yeah, preventatives. Well, that's wow. a lot to wrap our heads around, which is also the vaccine debate is a whole other thing and where Ooh. that will bring us as a world in the future. Anuket Barlik, thanks again for being here. Thank you. Anuket is an associate professor of history at the University of South Carolina. Now coming up today is National Latinx AIDS Awareness Day. We break down how HIV continues to be a threat to the health of the Latino communities in two minutes. Today, October 15th, is National Latinx AIDS Awareness Day. Uh, And, you know, we didn't even know this was a day, which is why we like to highlight things that 
a lot of us aren't talking about, but should know about, of course, here on Let's Go There. For sure. And I'm so excited that we are about to amplify this messaging because, honey, it's important, not just for people of color all together. Like, everyone yes. should be in this together. And I'm so excited. Bring our guest in, Shira. Okay. Daniel G. Garza joins us, who's an HIV advocate, educator, and a Plus Life ambassador. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. This is just exciting. And, and before you, uh, we started recording, you mentioned how uh, it's, it's your 20th year of, um, of having HIV. This is, you know, for everything that 2020 did not turn out to be for a lot of us. Uh, 2020, I turned 50 this year. So I'm pretty excited. You pretty don't look at Yes, you look way. incredible. You. Come through, Skin. <laughs> I call it the taco diet. The more tacos, the better I look. Yeah, I'll, I'll turn December 26th is my birthday, so I'll be turning 50 years old. This year, I turned 13 years clean and sober, which I'm really excited about. Wow. I'm, I'm a teenager again, which is <laughs> rebellious. And uh, September 26th is when I celebrate my HIV diagnosis. And this year, I turned 20. So I celebrate 20 years. Incredible. And thanks for all the work you're doing uh, to spread uh, awareness around this and specifically for the Latinx community. Uh, tell us why it's important to have a day like this today. Well, when I was diagnosed in 2000, uh, even for 2000, for every five pamphlets of English information that was out there, there was maybe one Spanish one. So it was very difficult to get any information out there to the Latino community. When I was diagnosed, I lived in Texas. I'm, I'm originally from Mexico, from Monterrey, Mexico, but we grew up in Texas. And even though I was in South Texas, right on the border, the information was not easily accessible for the Latino community. This is, for those of you youngins, this is pre-internet. So it was not easy to just go online and get whatever you needed. So we had to order pamphlets. And the agency where I volunteered I was in charge of ordering the pamphlets and I was always so frustrated that there wasn't enough information for my people to understand. Uh, so that's when my education started. I started to educate myself. Even at 30 years old, when I was diagnosed, I was still not well informed about HIV and AIDS. So I, I started to educate myself, educating my family. And then that's where my career kind of took off in advocacy and education. So we've talked on the show about how communities of color, specifically Latinx community, tends to be far more conservative. And I was wondering, does that play into, you know, the stigma of not, uh, you know, making folks comfortable enough to even go find out more information or get tested? I come, I come from Monterrey. Monterrey, Mexico is a very macho-driven city. We're, we're hombres. And I come from my culture calls for the men to be men and the mm. women to stay in the kitchen. And um, I'm the only son, the youngest, and I have my dad's name. So like triple responsibility to be like the man of the house. And so when I came out, I came out when I was 17. So I've been out of the closet way more than I was ever in there. But to, to, to get tested as a man is, is in the Latino community, it's not so much that you're a man and you maybe been sleeping around and need to get tested. It's you're gay and you've been doing gay stuff. And if you're, if you've been doing gay stuff, then, then you are gay. And if you're gay, then you can't hang out with the man because now you're different. And, and I know for everybody listening, it's like, well, that doesn't change you. Of course not. You knowing that I'm gay before and after you meet me 
doesn't change my personality, but it changes the way you see me. So in the Latino community, it's all about how I see you and the respect, mm. the, the respect that you get from the visual aspect of it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you have you have the culture, you have the religion. I was raised Catholic. And then the, the responsibilities of being the only son. There's There was all this pressure. And I got tested because I got really, really sick and I ended up in the hospital. I weighed 108 pounds uh, and I was in the hospital. And that's how we found out that I had it. Now, uh, joining us right now is Daniel G. Garza, HIV advocate, educator, and Plus Life ambassador. As we celebrate National Latinx AIDS Awareness Day today, and you're mentioning some very important things, of course. You're talking about this from 20 years ago, but even now, in the most recent study from the CDC, adult and adolescent Latinos made up 26% of the over 38,000 HIV diagnoses in the U.S. Uh, so what what is happening to, for those numbers to be where they are at? Well, um, we can't get rid of the culture because we're, we're still around. Right. Um, uh, when even though folks migrate to the country, and I'll, I'll say we because I'm part of it too, we bring our culture, we bring our religion. And unless you completely revamp the way the culture is being taught or the way uh, religion is being taught, that's always going to be there. The, the, the misconceptions, the stigma, the shame, um, the bullying, the pointing fingers, whatever you want to call it, it's always going to be there. So, it's so difficult to make folks understand the importance of getting tested or, or, or protecting themselves. I mean, there's so many things nowadays, there's condoms, there's PrEP um, that you can use. There's the U equal U movement that's out there too. Um, but it's hard to break the shell of culture and, and religion is like a very old hard M&M. It is so hard to break through that shell to get to the chocolate. And it, I humbly say it's good. It takes folks like me Latinos to, to put our word out there. And, and the louder we are, hopefully the more impact we'll make. Well, thank you so much for being so vulnerable and sharing your story today. We appreciate it. And for all the work that you're doing. But thank you so much. And thank you for having me here. This, this is awesome. Yeah, that was Daniel G. Garza, HIV advocate, educator, and a Plus Life ambassador. Now coming up, no on Prop 22 is trending everywhere today. What you need to know about one of the most debated propositions coming out of California, that's next. If you're voting in California this election season, you might be seeing a lot of news around Proposition 22 or Prop 22. So basically, Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, and others have pushed for this ballot proposal that would exempt them from the law and are in turn pushing their users to vote in their favor. Uh, so how it works is that they want to classify their workers as employees or California state law wants to. So to avoid this, they are proposing Prop 22. And now everywhere on social media, hashtag no on Prop 22 is trending right now as people are just dragging these companies for this proposal. Yeah, they are literally being the like a pure example of what an awful like corporation capitalist company is. They rather literally say no and then also it's so interesting. I, you know, obviously I've taken Lyft and our Uber in the past and you get these emails and I have feel like my inbox has been flooded with emails of them trying to like send us propaganda of like stories yeah. of people saying that they want this. And I'm just like 
how does that even work when people are needing health insurance? Like people are needing just basic benefits and you don't want to give it to them. You like refuse to give it to them. Yeah. And and this is the thing. People are calling them out because they think this is just plain wrong, but also they're using their apps and the platforms to wage uh, what many are reporting is a $186 million campaign against the California state law. I mean, at least Uber is. And they <laughs> users were complaining about the notifications. You mentioned some emails coming in. Um, they are actually breaking Apple's app store rules. Okay. So the iPhone makers app developer agreement forbids sending unsolicited messages to customers, including push notifications. Um, and they said that we've reached out to the phone iPhone maker to see if Uber's notifications are kosher under App Store guidelines, and we'll update the story if we hear more. And that's according uh, to a story about this that I found on TheVerge.com. Oh, my God. I mean, it really is propaganda. <laughs> it's really them trying to, you know, prove and show to everyone that they like, oh, if you want to keep using Uber or Lyft, you need to vote in the way that we need you to vote. And they're giving us an ultimatum. Well, it also, the whole thing is this is going to really uh, push or basically formulate how we look at the gig economy in the future, right? So it's going to have a huge effect on that. Um, and of course, you know, the gig economy has provided a lot of opportunities for people. We all know that. But at a certain point, these companies are also taking advantage of individuals when they're not providing benefits to them as well. Uh, so the New York Times says the ballot would offer some wage guarantees and a pool of money that certain workers could use for healthcare costs and sick days. But many think the guarantees are not enough. And one study, which Uber and Lyft have disputed, calculated that Prop 22 only guarantees workers, listen to this, $5.64 an hour after expenses and downtime are accounted for. So you may not know this, but and we actually have to wrap this up, but I remember that AB5 was a, is a part of Prop uh, 22, right? And this yeah. uh, this bill, when I heard about it, was a, a, when a lot of freelance journalists were complaining of a measure in the bill that would prevent them from like submitting more than 35 stories per year. And so this is like not just your Uber drivers, your DoorDash, your Lyfts, like so, that part, the bill was amended, apparently. And so it was like it worked in the favor. But I'm not sure how it's affecting these these non, you know, Instacart jobs or DoorDash cops. But I do remember this was really strictly for me anyway, was about journalists at one point. Yeah. And, and the issue is uh, and, like in the future, I, I believe the hope is that you could have the choice if you want to be an employee yeah. and get those benefits or if you do want to just do it your own way whether it's good or bad, that is your choice. You should be able to have that choice in the future. We gotta create you know, new laws here as we continue to evolve our economy. Okay, now coming up, we have all the top stories and what's trending this hour. Stay tuned for that and more next. Coming up, we debunk the New York Post Biden email story. What could be fact and what could be fiction? Ooh, I need to know, please. Yup, and of course, it's Spirits Day. Spirit day, not spirits. No, I mean, but we all have. Us. We oh, I wasn't even thinking about spirits. I, my mind was in spooky season, so I was thinking That's about also, ghosting. Yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> but spirit day um, is for the LGBTQ plus youth uh, community out there. So, of course, 
uh, let's just focus on that right now. Glad always does such amazing stuff every year. So we're yes. giving them some love throughout the show. Remember to post your uh, picture or post on social media honoring hashtag Spirit Day as well. Show I some need love. A, I need an actual Spirit Day shirt because I'm like, I don't really own purple, but I have purple in my shirt that I'm currently wearing. So I'm going to an event tonight and I wanted to wear something purple and take a picture, but I don't have anything. Get like Too a do you, do you have a purple ribbon or? No, I'm like, um, I really need to update my wardrobe. I feel like I have all black. Like, I'm one of those. I'm, I, it's like I live in New York. Anyway, mm. okay, let's get into someone's trending this hour. Uh, President Trump was on Fox Business and attacked Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, who was the victim of a kidnapping assassination plot organized by his supporters. That's the way it is. And they ought to open up the states. That's the other thing with the Democrats. Maybe more important, open up the states. You know, we're winning a lot of lo lawsuits about that. Michigan, she has to open up. Uh, she wants to be a dictator in Michigan, um, and the people can't stand her. And no, they want to no. get back, and they want to get back to work. And so Michigan, we won. Uh, so, yeah, that's what's happening right now. He's just saying, you know, we're suing them for keeping their states closed. Uh, oh as, God. of course, uh, you know, of course she was doing that to keep the state safe. But there's definitely those I'm battles saying. between the governors and president. But I just can't believe that so many people in Michigan are upset with her because she wanted to keep people alive. It makes, it's just like, what in the world? Where are we living? What time are we living in? It's wild. Yeah, Michigan actually set a new daily record for COVID with over 2,000 cases reported. Uh, they revealed that they actually are scared of a potential second wave. Uh, so that's right now happening over there, which is interesting that he's now uh, criticizing her because it seems like they're not on a good path. So you'd think that he would be there to more possibly support her or, instead of just dragging them <laughs> because, you know, Michigan's part of the country too. Okay, let's move on to this next story. Uh, Senate Judiciary Democrats attempted today to indefinitely delay the nomination of Judge Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court, arguing that they've had inadequate time to review her nomination after CNN's K-File found additional talks Barrett gave that were not listed on her Senate paperwork. They tried to keep these hidden. Uh, Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut said, I believe that this rush sham process is a disservice to our committee. She has been rushed in a way that is historically unprecedented. Uh, he pointed to the new reporting surfaced by CNN's K-File yesterday that public calendars from the University of Notre Dame uh, Law School, where Barrett was a law professor, show at least seven additional talks from 2004 to 2013, including one with the law school's anti-abortion group that were not listed on her paperwork submitted to the committee. So uh, CNN's K-File could not independently confirm Barrett's participation in the events, only that they were listed on Notre Dame's public calendars. So still what? some stuff to look into. Wow, that's yeah. intense. The California Republican Party said it will not comply with the state's cease and desist order over unofficial ballot drop boxes placed in at least four counties. We, of course, have reported about this. The un unauthorized ballot boxes, which state officials have called illegal, have been found in at least four counties across the state. Los Angeles, Ventura, Orange and Fresno. So be aware of that. Just look out for those. Uh, California Republican Party spokesman Hector Bajara said ballot harvesting program will continue. 
What? So fight, how is yeah, like, how are they get, not getting get locked up? How are they how not they getting just, locked like, up? Take them away. Take these oh, away. I just I don't get it. We should actually should have someone on to talk about this more of like yeah. why it's okay for them to continue doing this or how are they legally fighting this? I can't believe this. I don't get it. Uh, that was so much during this hour. What is happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so let's get into the T-Report, the pop culture stories that are trending right now. Lizzo had an amazing acceptance speech in a vote dress because that was honestly the key highlight of the Billboard Music Awards last night. Here's a clip. Hey, um, thank you to Billboard. Thank you to Atlantic. Thank you to Team Lizzo. Thank you to everyone who listened to my music and supported me. I just want to say... I've been thinking a lot about suppression and the voices that refused to be suppressed. And I wonder, would I be standing here right now if it weren't for the big black women who refused to have their voices be suppressed? And I just want to say right now, if you're at home watching this and you are thinking about changing yourself to feel worthy, this is your sign to remain true to who you are. So I love how she took her, that platform, that moment, and she really spoke to everyone. And she's been very political this season, especially by interviewing Kamala Harris. It's been, it's been really nice to see her in that way. And so shout out to her. Good, good, good little moment. So did Billie Eilish. She did some stuff as well for voting. I love that. Using their platform for good. We need that. Everyone should be talking about it. Yes, yes, yes. And then here's some baby news about Nicki Minaj. Guess what? They have revealed, um, her and her husband have revealed the sex of their baby. Um, they share that it was a boy, um, basically. And, and, uh, and on Instagram, in a caption, they said, thank you to Queen B, Kim, uh, Kim, Kim and Ye, uh, Ricardo Tichi, Winnie, Carol, and everyone who sent well wishes during this time. It meant the world to me. I'm so grateful and in love with my son, madly in love. Cannot Aww. believe um, that she has a little boy and the name of her son remains a mystery. And honey, that is your tea report. Congrats, Nikki. Yeah. She's waiting to get that exclusive, get some money maybe. I don't Probably, know. Probably, girl. People magazine <laughs> cover. Yeah. Okay, coming up, we talked about it earlier, but should you believe the Hunter Biden story? Brian Dunning, the host of the Skeptoid podcast, joins us to debunk this October surprise. Now, we've got to talk about the Hunter Biden emails, and I can't wait to get our next guest on to discuss this because he debunks everything. Just a little context. On Wednesday morning, the New York Post published a supposed bombshell of a story about Hunter Biden revealing emails, documents supposedly recovered by a computer repair shop from an abandoned MacBook Pro. The story alleges that Hunter used his father's influence, uh, of course, VP Joe Biden, to benefit a Ukrainian energy firm while Hunter sat on the company's board. It seems like there's still unproven allegations that have blown up on social media, but you might not see the story much on social media. By the way, the company, Facebook, announced Wednesday morning that it is, quote, reducing its distribution on our platform until it is confirmed by third-party fact-checkers and Twitter has censored it all together. So back with us from the Skeptoid podcast is Brian Dunning. Thanks for being here. Hey, thank you for having me. Always a blast. Uh, yes. So what is your take on the story and how it's come out? Because there's so many uh, parts of it that seem questionable. You know, everything about this story is weird. And, and the problem is, I mean, it's early. I mean, this has been going on for like 24 hours now. And everything about this is weird. Everything is unconfirmed. A lot of it's contradictory. And we really don't know too much, except that everything that has been claimed to be a fact is something that's pretty easy to, to, to debunk or disprove. 
So, I mean, this is a weird, weird situation. You know, I really feel like the Trump administration or the Trump campaign is trying to have, you know, give Joe Biden his own October surprise. What do you think? <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, it, it certainly sounds like that. I mean, Rudy Giuliani is kind of the central figure in this whole thing. He's the one who, you know, supposedly uh, took this uh, took this information and and brought it to the New York Post. Why? Even that is weird, though. Why would he choose the New York Post? It's a tabloid that has probably one of the worst reputations among all newspapers on the planet. <laughs> That's what I Why said. Why would he choose that to make <laughs> such, a, such a such a huge uh, revelation? Because other outlets, New York Times, they would have spent too long to confirm the information and it wouldn't have been able to drop the way they wanted it to drop in time for the election. Yeah, I mean, he could have gone. To, I, I mean, he's not going to go to the New York Post, obviously, but he might go to Fox News or something. And and you're right. I mean, they are um, definitely going to spend more time uh, fact checking than the New York Post did. Or New York Times. Yeah, New York Times would have done that. Definitely. Again, you're hearing from Brian Dunning, the host of the Skeptoid podcast right now. Uh Let's talk about the social media part of it, because I feel like that's also fueling the fire here. Is this really what we really wanted to see when we talked about them handling fake news and disinformation or misinformation? How they just take a take a story and just erase all all references to the story. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I guess the, the most visible part of this is that Facebook has removed all links to the New York Post article about this. Um it's 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 kind of unrealistic to expect them to um, delete all discussion of the article or anything that's not a specific link to this, just because of the amount of data that's on Facebook. But but it is. It, I, I mean, I guess it's better than nothing. But it, it it's also like you like you say, it's a cause of conversation because um, it's really strange that they would pick this specific story to purge all references to and really nothing else that people have been calling for them to do over the last few years. Exactly, right? Because I thought Zuckerberg, he didn't want to be a part of it. He felt like he wasn't responsible, like he didn't need to, you know, control what is false and truth on that platform. What changed? Yeah, and Zuckerberg has been, I mean, he's been, uh, I I don't want to say that, that he's been, friendly to more friendly to the right than to the left because i, I don't think it. that's accurate but i think <laughs> okay <laughs> i mean i understand why certainly i mean uh so many other social media platforms have been you know uh, like like twitter for example they've been putting all the warnings on virtually anything that that trump himself tweets and facebook has been more um you know trying to be middle of the road trying to be okay you know we're not going to be the arbiters of what's true and what's not so it, it is an unusual step for them to simply wipe out this one particular article. Yeah. And once again, I feel like it just adds more to the narrative that uh, the left or these social media networks are trying to censor uh, the right. And I just feel like that doesn't help anything that doesn't I, I just doesn't it doesn't help. So I, I think something needs to be done. But the way they did this specific one I don't feel like they did it right. So it's so funny. Well, do you think they did the wrong thing? Oh, that's oh. a good question. Do they think, I think they could have let the New York Post article be shared and anyone else who posts 
either like the emails or this, that they could have said, well, we're still figuring it out. I think that complete, like you're, you're once again, adding fuel to the fire by saying like, this can't be distributed at all. At the same time, you're also holding these outlets accountable, right? Saying like, it's not just individuals or random people we're going to call out. We will call out the platforms as well. Well, you see, if, if Twitter had done this, if Twitter, uh, who has a reputation for being hostile to the, to the far right, if they had done this, people would say, well, of course they're, they're blocking it because they know that it's true and because they know that it's going to sink their candidate. Now, for Facebook to do this, Facebook that has a reputation for being more friendly to the right to do this, um, it's, it's a different situation. Well, I guess uh, people could still find it, though, on Google, and we'll see what happens as this develops. Thank you so much, Brian Dunning, for joining us. Thank you for having me, as always. You can check Brian out on the Skeptoid podcast. Now, coming up, earlier today, we spoke to KNX about the implications of this story on the election and more. That's next. Crooked Joe Biden is trending on social media as Republicans are using the leaked Hunter Biden emails from a hard drive brought by a whistleblower uh, to this uh, to Rudy Giuliani and the New York Post that are leading the Senate to start a probe. Uh, so that hard drive, as I mentioned, was left at a Mac store. The shop owner is blind and didn't see who brought it in. It all feels very hard to believe. And joining us right now, I'm so excited, Ken Charles, program director at KNX. Welcome back. It's been a while. It's been way too long. Stupid COVID. Ugh. I know. Come on. We miss you. Yeah, miss you guys too. You need to get back in the building. I've been here every day. <laughs> oh God. Wow, okay. But it's been breaking. I mean, it's been breaking news. The news cycle has been crazy. Which, speaking of, we're talking about this whole Joe Joe Biden Hunter Biden thing. Well, it's, al it's alleged. I mean, look, no credible news organization has had access, other than the New York Post, and even the New York Post, to the best of my knowledge, hasn't seen the hard drive, hasn't seen the computer. This is all based off of Rudy Giuliani. And let's, of course, remember that the New York Post is owned by Rupert Murdoch, and Rupert Murdoch owns, I don't know, Fox News. So, you know, other than really good Yankee and Mets and Giants and Jets coverage, I don't know that I give a lot of credibility yet to this story because it hasn't been independently verified by anybody, anybody credible. The Washington Post has asked for it. New York Times has asked for it. A lot of people have asked for it. No one's seen it except the blind guy and Rudy Giuliani, which is as close as you can get to a blind guy. So uh, at this point, what are they going to do with it to verify? Or they're going to just keep it at this New York Post story. That's it. It's going to end there. Well, I mean, that, you know, unless somebody else gets a piece of this, and, and look, if, if, if Ted Cruz and the Senate Judiciary Committee want to start subpoenaing things, stop looking at Twitter and Facebook, which are private companies, subpoena the, 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 the computer store, subpoena Rudy Giuliani, subpoena Hunter Biden if they want. But if you want to get to the story, let's get to the story, because right now it's just innuendo. Well, here's the thing, um, and we're talking to the program director at KNX, Ken Charles, and I feel like this was just another way for the Trump campaign to try to throw in an October surprise, because obviously Trump had one, and so they're trying to figure out what can stick to Joe Biden to throw him off his game. Is that accurate? No, listen, I think that's completely accurate. You know, you can see polls all over the country where, you know, I realize they're national polls, but even when they start looking at local polls, you're seeing him 
get really, really, you know, close or behind, even in Florida and Texas and places that he won by double digits in 2016 against Hillary. This is kind of like the last gasp with 19 days before the election of a candidate. And Trump is desperate. You can see it. You know, and COVID didn't have the effect he thought. His miraculous recovery didn't have the effect that he thought. He's losing ground, not gaining ground. But will this change anybody? You know, first of all, th- that 42% that love him, love him with this or without with this or without this. The question is, will it change the narrowing gap of people in the middle? And I don't think this is enough to do that. Yeah, I mean, that's for sure. Do you think it was bad of Twitter and Facebook to handle it the way they did? Um, You know, it, it's an interesting shoe for them to drop that with all of the crazy QAnon stuff that's out there, that YouTube now looks like they're going to take down, which is thousands of videos. And with all of the other stuff for the last more than four years that Twitter and Facebook have been pushing out. This one seems like a weird one. And look, whether it's right or wrong, we don't know. But the Washington or the New York Post is the New York Post. Are they going to start what? What else are they going to start taking down from the New York Post? And if they're doing it for the New York Post, regardless of who owns it, so take Rupert Murdoch out of it, there's still plenty of crazy videos with Tucker Carlson or some of the other people from Fox News, Mark Levin and others. Has Facebook and Twitter taken those down? No, they haven't. This was a weird place for them to draw the line. If they wanted to put a line up there that said not verified or not independently verified or something like that, yes. Honestly, should they have, in this case, blocked it? I honestly don't think they should have. I think they made a mistake. Well, I want to quickly throw to a clip of Trump in Greenville, North Carolina, where he actually talks about this. And I wonder, basically, I'm going to ask you something right after this clip. But this election is a matter of national security. It really is. We can't let this happen. It's a matter of national security. The Bidens got rich while America got robbed. Now, big tech, you see what's going on with big tech? is censoring these stories to try and get Biden out of this impossible jam. He's in a big jam. You know, his son left his uh, laptop at some place, fixed my laptop, he forgot to pick it up. The guy from the laptop, it looks like he saw it. He said, wow, this is really criminal stuff. He brought it to the FBI. Can you believe that? I'm interested in knowing, you know, how Trump is going to handle this because this clip of him kind of questioning or being sarcastic about it. And then Trump is all about saying, like, this election, there's a national security risk happening here. Do you think he's going to use this for his advantage of trying to, you know, derail this election um, with the, the short amount of days that we have left of it? Well, he's content. I mean, look, look at the Republicans here in California. They're not going to get, or Southern California, they're not going to get rid of those unofficial ballot boxes that are popping up all over the place. They've thrown in. He's continuing to try to throw fire on the fact that if you don't vote in a polling place, if you vote by mail, it's part of the fraud. So everything he's doing right now and for the next 19 days is to try to you know throw the legitimacy of the the election 
um, into play. And while I don't think he can do that, he's trying hard. That was Ken Charles, program director at KNX. Now coming up, a special message from Billy Porter on Spirit Day that's next on our Yaz Queen of the Day. We're wrapping up our show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. And we did mention it's Spirit Day today. It was started by the organization we love, GLAAD, where we stand up against bullying and show our support for the LGBTQ plus youth out there. Of course, we try to do that every day, though, but it's, it's good to highlight it specifically on Spirit Day as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think on days like this, I only um, I can only think about Nigel, um, Nigel Shelby. Uh, he was the 15 year old freshman at Huntsville High School in Huntsville, Alabama. And he unfortunately he died by suicide in April of last year. Hmm. And so, um, yeah, and that was after allegedly being bullied over his sexuality. Um, and so I just think about him and he was a young black boy. And I think about him and how much life he had to live and um, this is why we say you know there is a spirit day and we stand up and we wear purple and I'm just so um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for days like this because it's necessary especially during mental health awareness month as well Oh yeah, and during this time where we can't see each other, just a way to connect, even on social media, people sharing uh, you know, their videos and images and uh, their own profile avatars being changed to like Spirit Day or Purple. Um, and now this video is being shared on social media of the amazing Billy Porter we all love from uh, back in 2018, where he spoke with MTV News about creating long lasting change and how it all boils down to respect and humanity for each other. You know, we can't just talk about it. We have to then show up and what's the action behind it that creates change and creates long lasting change. And the conversation I think has shifted from acceptance and tolerance. I don't need your acceptance. I don't need your tolerance. So there you have it. Love that Billy Porter, Porter dropping the wisdom as he always does. And I love that this, uh, you know, it, it's resurfacing as well because there's so many moments with Billy Porter and I love that we are now starting to incorporate Billy Porter's music here on Channel Q more. Um, there's like a, yeah. a, a song that we play with Tracy, Tracy Young, the DJ. And so, yeah, I don't I don't know. I just love Billy Porter. I love what he stands for. And, and so happy spirit day. We need him in our life, honey. Definitely. And that does it for uh, today's show. Oh, Loved wait a second. It on that note. What? I mean, we can't end it on that note, but also I have oh. like an honorary yes oh, queen yeah. moment. Bring it on. Let's do um, it. I'm chit-chatting with Paris Hilton tomorrow. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. I love that. And we're going to be airing some of that on the show, of course. We sure are because, honey, I'm really going to try to ask her about her 2016 decision when she decided to say she voted for Trump. I'm gonna ask her about gotta how, talk to her about how it. she's changed over years. So I'm, I'm fingers crossed. Radio.com is doing their live radio.com check-in. If you want to check it out, it's airing tomorrow around 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 3:30. Actually, so 12:30 Pacific. What's the da- times? I get so confused by Eastern. It's 12 p.m. Eastern or 12:30. That's 12:30, 9:30. Oh my God, 9:30 a.m. Pacific. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. This is why we do this as a job and nothing involving math or budgets. (laughs) It's so, it's a mess. But either way, check out my Instagram and check out LGT Show to find out the details because it'll be fun and then you'll hear it here as well. Love it. I love that for you. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Congratulations. It'll be nice. 
And of course, if you miss any of our shows, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the radio.com app, search Let's Go There. And yes, again, we are live tomorrow, Friday, 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on Channel Q, weekdays for you, always. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. See you tomorrow. Have a great night. Bye, y'all.